Well, again, happy Easter. I am so excited. This, this is the pinnacle day of our beliefs as Christians. This is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And so I called this message, New Life, New Purpose. And when I think about the past year, and, and I know many of you, for, for much of the world, it was some of the darkest days that we can remember in our history. There have been defining moments that I can think of in my lifetime. And for some of you that are a little bit older than me, you have more defining moments throughout history. And for some of you that are younger, this probably is one of the most significant events of your lifetime. This pandemic that we've been through with uh, COVID-19, we're just over a year from when we kind of shut everything down. Easter last year was totally online. I know for many of you, you're still trying to transition back into life and maybe haven't been able to get out like you want to. Nothing is normal. Uh, for many of us, we've had to deal with loss of loved ones, loss of work, loss of income, uh, loss of routine. Some really dark days that, that a lot of us have gone through. So much of the world seemed to have changed overnight. It took an emotional toll on our country and on many of you. And I want to encourage you today that God does not leave us there, that there is hope beyond this. Think about how the disciples felt. They'd been walking with Jesus. They had seen him do these miracles. They'd seen him turn water into wine. They'd seen him walk on water. They'd seen him heal the lame. Open the eyes of the blind. Even with a word, heal the centurion's daughter. Or actually, the centurion's daughter raised from the dead. It was the son that was healed. Lady touches his garment. She's healed of a disease that she'd had for many years. And then all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, Jesus is arrested. He warned them they just had the Last Supper. He told them what was coming, but yet at the same time, this man that they thought was invincible in a way, all of a sudden he's arrested and he's led away and he's beaten and he's flogged and, and they, they jam thorns on his head and he's mocked and he doesn't say anything. And as we celebrated on Friday, Celebrate isn't even the right word, as we remembered on Friday. The pain and broken body that Jesus went through on the cross. Think about how the disciples might have felt. It was the darkest moment in their lives. They had just seen 
who they believe to be the Messiah, who can do all these miracles. hanging on a cross. It was a very dark time. It was a confusing time for them. Mark tells us that when Jesus was arrested, his disciples scattered. And we find out that Peter even, Jesus told him this was going to happen. Peter even denies that he knows Jesus three times that night. They scattered. They were confused. They didn't know what was happening very confusing time for them. I want to read to you again the account of Jesus' death. Again, that's what we talked about on Good Friday, but I want to just put it all into perspective. I'm going to look at Mark chapter 15, verses 33 through 41. It says, At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Lima, Sabachthini, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling out to the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed, a stick, so that he could drink. Wait, he said, let's see whether Elijah comes to take him down. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the Roman officer officer who stood facing him saw how he died, he exclaimed, This truly was the Son of God. Some women were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus uh, the younger, or the mother of James the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. They had been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. I cannot imagine what the disciples might have felt in that moment, in that place of time. You even hear the words of Jesus When he talks about, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? At that moment in time, he's taking all the sin that has ever been done in the past and ever will be done upon himself. The one thing that separates us from God, he took it all upon himself in that moment. The disciples, I don't know, I have to assume that they were there at some place, somewhere, watching this event unfold, trying to piece together what it all means and understand. I can't imagine what they were going through. I can't imagine how dark and confusing of a time this was for them. Even with everything of 2020 and and the changes that happened, and even in some of those darkest moments in my life, I don't think I'd ever felt anything like what they felt. Nor do I really want to. I think for, at some point, most of them had to doubt, to think everything was lost. They were confused. 
Maybe you're in that place now. Maybe you're at a place where you feel like you're just lost and abandoned. I want to encourage you that Easter changes everything. That's really what this is about, that God comes in and changes everything through what Jesus did in Easter. And I want to read to you the hope of Easter right now. God has not abandoned us. Even when it feels like He has. He's not abandoned us. you got to remember that Jesus died on a Friday. There was Saturday. We don't really have much recorded about Saturday. Other than the Sanhedrin going and asking the, the Roman soldiers to seal the tomb to make sure that, that nobody would, would mess with the tomb. That's the only thing we have written about Saturday. It was the Sabbath. So I just envision people sitting in their homes, shell-shocked, trying to figure out what's going on. Maybe many of you have probably felt that way. I remember feeling that way when I first saw what happened in 9-11, when the towers were attacked. There are moments and defining moments in our lives, and I think that's how everybody was in. They, were, they had just seen... Jesus, whom they believe to be the Son of God, who they see do all these miracles, die. They didn't understand fully what was going on. Even though Jesus told them, even though he gave them hints and, and, and really even spelled it out for them, they didn't fully understand. Now look, in Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8, here's where the hope of Easter comes in. Since Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way, on the way they, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The, woman, the women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Look. There is where he lay, they laid his body. Now go and tell the disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead to, of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. The very darkest point in human history. The very darkest point, mankind had just killed the Son of God, the Messiah. The very darkest point, Jesus rises again. God breaks through. That's what Easter is about, is the resurrection of Jesus. Death could not hold Jesus back. We have the hope of Easter because this life isn't all there is. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. He, for those of us that believe in him, for those of us that follow him, that put our trust in him, we know this life isn't all that there is. That we will rise again, that we will be with him throughout eternity. That there is nothing in this life 
that he cannot defeat. Nothing. So I just got two points today. First one is this. Easter means new life. New life. It doesn't mean just new life for Jesus. It means new life for all of us that put our faith and trust in him. We are risen up into new life. We're giving new lives. John 3, 16 and 17, one of the most famous passages. We don't hear about it as much as we used to, but it used to be signs at every sporting event and all of that. Our culture has changed. We need to make this scripture famous again for what it is. Look at John 3, 16 and 17. It says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. That's the news. That's the good news of Jesus. That when we put our faith in him, we will have eternal life. We won't perish. We'll have eternal life with him. So out of this darkest moment in human history comes new life, this birth into all eternity that's available not only to me, but to you and to your neighbors and to your co-workers and your family members. New life. Because of what Jesus has done, death no longer has a hold on us. It no longer has power over us. We've been given this new life. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 21 through 23. I want to read this to you. He says, So you see, just as death came into the world through one man, through Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. This life isn't it. That's the hope of Easter, is that this broken body that we have some of you, man, our bodies have aches and pains the older we get. Just getting out of bed hurts. This body that's broken, that has asthma and cystic fibrosis and diabetes and all of these diseases that are killing this body, this body is temporary. We are given new life in Christ. But you know what? That new life isn't just for eternity. It's celebrated in our lives every day. We have new life every day. We're given a chance to take this brokenness that we've had. And I'm not talking about our body. I'm talking about inside. Because sin, when we live sinful lives, it separates us from God. But it also piles on and wears on us. That sinful nature, whether you know you need it or not, that, that sin that's inside, the, when we hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness or when we treat others poorly or basically sin is those selfish acts that we do that makes it all about us. If you look at the Ten Commandments, 
The first half of those Ten Commandments are our sins directly against God. When we worship other idols and we and worship other gods and put idols before Him. But if you look at the last part of the Ten Commandments, it's all about how we treat others. Remember, the greatest commandment that God ever gave us was to love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul and to love our neighbor as ourselves. See, sin... That brokenness inside forces us to focus on ourselves, what we don't have, what we want, to get what we want, to have it our way, no matter who it hurts. But through Jesus and what he did on the cross and through the brokenness of his body and the outpouring of his blood, we were offered forgiveness for sins once and for all. Once and for all. We've been offered forgiveness. See, we should be celebrating these things, celebrating Easter and what it means to us. Not only eternal life, but freedom from sin in this life, a new life every day, full of God's Spirit. I want to share with you a couple scriptures that speak to this. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person The old life is gone, and the new life has begun. And that new life, it isn't a magical like boom, and all of a sudden you're this new person that knows every hymn and every word that's ever been spoken that you could quote every scripture. It doesn't work like that. It's kind of like a newborn baby. We start to wobble around. We learn, and we grow, and we get stronger. But this is a new life. We have excitement through what Jesus has done in us. we put our trust in him we're given new life romans 6 4 says for we died and were buried with christ by baptism and just as christ was raised from the dead by his glorious power by the glorious power of the father now we also may live new lives that's what baptism is when we talk about baptism maybe you've been baptized maybe you haven't if you haven't been baptized and you want to be let us know and we will make arrangements to make that happen But baptism is an outward sign of saying, hey, I am Jesus's. And when we baptize, we believe in immersion. We dunk you under the water. That means I am dying to my old life and I'm being raised again to my new life. That's why we do baptism. I know some people have been baptized multiple times. They they were baptized when they were younger and then they, they kind of fell away from God for a while and they came back and they... They renewed their relationship with Jesus and they wanted to signify it's an outward expression of what God's already doing on the inside. That death to the old life and raising into a new life. We've been given a new life, one that's free from the power of sin. Not that we are sin free. We we still struggle. We still sin from time to time. But here's the cool thing is that we have the forgiveness and grace of God. His grace is huge. Not that we just go on sinning just because we don't abuse it, but we can celebrate the fact that as we're learning to become like Christ, we've died to the old life and we have this new life in us. We are a new creation. Because we're free, because of Jesus, we are free of guilt and shame of our sinful lives. And we've been given this freedom and we want to share it with other people. We've been given a new purpose. And that's my second point of Easter today is we've been given a new purpose. Easter means new purpose. 
We read earlier that the angel told Mary and Martha and the other women that were there to go and tell the disciples to return to Galilee, that Jesus would meet them there. They were the first ones that saw the resurrect, or the angel told them to go so they could see Jesus. And so they were that they went and told the disciples, if you look at Matthew 28, 16 through 20, it says this. Then the eleven disciples left Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them still doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is risen. He went and saw the disciples, and then he gave them this mandate to go and make other disciples to tell people everywhere about what I've done. This is our mission. We've been talking about this this year. We are not only disciples, we were told to go and make disciples. So our lives are about making disciples. That doesn't mean that we abandon our jobs and go, no, it's a part of who we are. Where we work, we are missionaries. Actually, we could expand our community partner list to include where you work. Where you work, you are a missionary there. Some of you are retired. Where you go, the things that you do, the people you interact with, you can make disciples wherever you go. And disciple making is simply this, drawing people to Christ, teaching them about who he is. Some of that starts before they ever come to Christ. And then it's completed as they come to Christ. Then we spend time teaching them the commands of who he is and how to follow him. What that new life means in their lives. And see, they become disciple makers and it just continues to grow. We've kind of lost that in our culture. We've made professional ministers to do all the work, but really we are disciple makers. It's what we do. It's our purpose. It's what Jesus called us to do. So as we wrap things up today, I want to show you a video that kind of illustrates all of this. Remember, we are to make disciples. We're to use our talents, our abilities, and our opportunities to draw others to Him. Watch this video for a moment, and then we'll close out. We were not created to live stagnant lives, to be stuck, bound, or broken. We were created with a purpose, a calling, a mandate, a mission. Even in these uncertain times, that calling remains the same, to go into the world to make disciples, to share the love of Jesus. This is the work of Easter, the greatness of God, the power of the resurrection in action. What Jesus did has changed us, made us a new creation, given us an unimaginable hope, 
Grace has taken root. Mercy has flooded our souls. And the promise of eternity has redefined our everything. So why keep all that to ourselves? It's time to put Easter in motion. To make a difference. To share Jesus with the world around us. Your life has been changed. It's time to get to work. Just like that video illustrated, we are to take what we've been given, this new life, and to make the most of every opportunity by going and making disciples. I was sent a statistic over the weekend that for the first time in history, according to surveys, less than 50% of people are regular church attenders. What that tells me is, is that we have a job to do, that we live in a country that is missing the hope of Jesus. And we have opportunity everywhere. Jesus told us that the, the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. We are those few. We've been given a new life and a new mission through Easter. So as we close today, I want you to be very intentional in your prayer time. Praise God for what he's done through Jesus. Praise God for the resurrection and the new life that you've been given. And then pray over those that God has put on your heart to disciple, to lead towards him, that he would give you opportunities, that he would help you to take advantage of those opportunities today. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today and we worship you. We praise you. We celebrate you for the resurrection, for Easter, for the hope that we have in you, for this new life that you've given us. We cannot thank you enough. And Lord, we want to honor you by renewing our lives and becoming more like you and fulfilling the mission that you gave us to make disciples. Lord, I pray that you would commission new disciple makers today. That we would not just be about ourselves, but we would be about influencing and drawing others to you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we could complete the mission that you've given us. Lord, if there are anybody watching this today that does not have a relationship with you, Lord, I pray that right now that they would yield their lives to you, that they would ask you into their hearts, and that you would give them that new life today. Father, we thank you for the privilege and honor of being called your sons and daughters. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today we celebrate. Go 
and make disciples. Have a great Easter.